guys, uh, welcome back to What They Don't Tell You About Surviving Medical School. It's been a little while. Um, this is one of your co-hosts, Joe, and I'm joined by Brian and Sam. Uh, just as a reminder, I am a current second-year resident in family medicine at St. John's program on the east side of St. Paul and in Maplewood, Minnesota. Um, yeah, I mean, as everyone knows, it's um, kind of the COVID stuff is heating up right now. So um, hospital is just starting to get a little bit busy. Um, we kind of went through this weird period of kind of calm before the storm where our census has been super low. And I think people are just really staying home. And I don't, I, I think people are probably still having like strokes and heart attacks at home, but I just don't know if they're coming in, which is kind of scary because yeah. uh, we're just too. like not seeing it. So um, yeah, clinic has gone from like seeing people in person to just doing tele telehealth. Um, it's been just a absolutely crazy month. So um, yeah, I'll throw it over to, to Sam to introduce himself. Yeah, just as a, as a reminder, I'm Sam. I'm a fourth-year med student at the U, uh, soon to graduate on May 1st. Which which um, U, Sam? Say again? Oh, Wh yeah, which university? university Sorry. Um, I thankfully finished all my rotations, rotations like a week before this all really blew up. Um, and so I have no responsibilities right now. So I'm just staying busy trying to... Uh, have a regimented routine and not get too stir crazy inside. So, Brian, what do you? What does your day to day look like over there? Uh, yeah, my my world has been turned upside down. So I'm I'm a third year at the um, Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and so third year is an important year of medical school. Obviously, um, I feel like I'm lucky in some sense. Um, well, first of all, because I don't have the virus, I don't really know anyone affected by it, at least yet. Um, so, But then, like, the selfish reasons why I'm lucky, um, I've at least done the rotations I'm interested in. Um, so, like, the big one I got done with was surgery and definitely want to pursue that. So what's left for me is not as intriguing to me, but obviously I still wanted to do them and experience them. But medical students were pulled unless you're in New York, which is basically like a third world country right now, or, or pulled <laughs> yeah. from the hospitals out of concern of becoming vectors, getting personally sick, lack of PPE. Um, right. And they've, they're doing their best to transition things online. And, you know, our school is being transparent and doing a good job of that, but it's just not the same. And then there's bigger issues looming in the future, like step exams. I mean, all the the clinical skills and knowledge exams for the next few weeks have been canceled. So um, mine are far enough out where they haven't been affected, but that's going to be an issue. And then I'm not personally going to do any away rotations because it's not encouraged in general surgery unless you have a burning desire to, to go somewhere and yeah. I want to stay here. So yeah. I'm lucky in that sense too that I don't have to do any away rotations. But like my friends who are interested in very competitive subspecialties like urology or orthopedics are like crossing their fingers and hoping that stuff doesn't get canceled so like uh, yeah it's it's gonna change things quite a bit yeah i'm lucky i've been thinking about that a little bit i i think it would be um extremely extremely tough to be coming into your third year of medical school right now 
um, mm -hmm. just about to start rotations. Um, I just can't imagine, especially for those that are going into very competitive specialties, what must be going through their mind right now. The fact that they might not even get to do that specific rotation that they want to do, right. um, I, just with the scheduling and, and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine. Imagine um, if Brian, uh, would you mind taking just a minute, minute and a half to tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about, since you're interested in going into surgery, what, cause I haven't heard what your surgery rotation was like and, oh, um, yeah. yeah, high anxiety, high stress. I mean, or was it, I had a very yeah, tell us a little bit good experience overall. Um, the attendings were phenomenal. Um, so the way, the way that it functions at MCW is you're on two different, it's two months long and you spend a month on two different services and they're paired kind of randomly. Um, and so I was on CT surgery for a month and then minimally invasive for the second month. And I was able to kind of request that and get some like preferential treatment which is nice just given the fact that my research the like clinical research group that I'm a part of is CT surgeons so I wanted to work with them obviously so that was freaking awesome experience because they know me very well prior to this having been in that research group for a number of years um, and so and then they just had lots of trust in me from day one like so to start the rotation out I I went in, like the rotation was supposed to start on Monday. I started out on a Sunday, went in to watch a heart transplant, and it was it was the two, it's a father-son heart surgeon duo um, that really run the show at, at Freighter, which is cool. So it was them, and then a chief who's going into uh, CT surgery, and me, like, and I was, like, right up in there. Like, it was, like, the most involved I've ever been in a case. And oh, that's it was, like, pretty a cool. Freaking heart transplant. That was day one, and so that that whole month was awesome. Like, I did. That's great. I did thing like, what, what are some of the, I got to sew on the aorta. I sewed part of a graft to the wow. aorta. I sewed that's, part that's of, nuts. for, like, I first assisted um, part of a, a uh, bypass, um, and got to sew like some of the proximal anastomoses and my hands have never been so shaky in my life. Wow. I was like, Oh, I can't even imagine. Uh, I was, I was not expecting that at all. He told me to like come up there and then he handed me the, the stuff and guided me through it. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I didn't have boots on either. So I was, yeah, but that, that month was unbelievable. Um, and then next month was good too. Um, I got to be on the, uh, um, the residency director's service um which was great and he's just a fantastic fantastic human great great doctor great person so it was really fun to interact with him and and uh he does lots of uh robotic stuff too so to just kind of see the capabilities of the robot was pretty crazy um mm -hmm. and getting to sit in that awesome. council sometimes was sweet um so yeah it was it was awesome overall loved it but so what I heard is Rob robots are gonna take over the world. Robots are gonna take over the world. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's so uh, <laughs> I just wanted to kind of remind our listeners, and especially if we're getting new people here listening for the first time. So we created this podcast, um, or I don't know if we first started doing stuff about a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago. But um, the three of us have all dealt with. Um, mental health, I'll just say things, 
um, throughout our lives and our careers. And I think for all three of us um, at various points during our medical school careers, it really boiled over um, and kind of was intrusive in our daily life. And so that's why we wanted to really make this podcast and, and normalize the fact that um, so many people are going through the same struggles that we have gone through. Um, and that one of the best ways to promote mental health and wellness is to just talk about it and to tell our stories. So um, Brian and I have both shared our personal stories of how we, uh, especially for us, it was anxiety. Um, our stories were with anxiety. We're going to hear from Sam about his story today. Um, but to open it up like we usually do, I just want to go through some picks of the week, things that have been um, kind of on our mind or consuming some of our time. And um, yeah, so um, anyone want to start it off with a pick of the week? Anyone got anything that they want to share? Otherwise, I can go. I'll go. Yeah, my uh, Sam here. My pick of the week is uh, since I have a lot of free time, I'm trying to fill it with not just Netflix, although there's a fair amount of that for sure. Um, but I just started last week. Uh, Coursera is like a they do like online. I think all college courses, but maybe just any course. So oh, cool. I saw like some. I don't know, one of my friends texted and asked if me and another buddy wanted to do a, a course offered by Yale on Coursera for free. And they're offering a, like a bunch of schools right now, especially with the pandemic, are just kind of like throwing their courses out there for free. Wow. So we're doing a, a Yale course right now called The Science of Well-Being. Um, it's, it's like super low commitment, a couple hours a week, but because I just have ample in abundant free time, I decided might as well learn something and do something valuable. So yeah, we're, uh, this week is uh, gratitude week. So, uh, we're just focusing on five things every day, writing them down that we're, we're, we're grateful for. And, um, the biggest thing that stuck with me on today's lectures were, I guess, uh, about 50% of one's happiness comes from genetics. About 10% ten, ten comes from like life circumstance. Um, and then the other 40 is attitude, um, intentions, basically things we can control, which, you know, gives um, what we're doing here a lot of weight. So I thought that was cool. Oh, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, I did a, um, that reminds me of, I can't remember the exact spelling, but I think it's, it's one of the big East Coast schools has put together a free online curriculum on mindfulness. It's like Palouse, it's P-A-L-O-U-S-E, I want to say. I'll have to look up the exact spelling. But they walk through like an eight-week kind of thing that sounds pretty similar. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. It's cool that Yale's doing that. Yeah, it's nice. Cool. Ryan, um, Joe, what do you got? Oh, yeah. That's, Joe, what, you go first. Um, I just, I, I feel like it's something that I've talked about frequently in my life because I've been, it's been a part of my daily existence since about October. Um, but it is the app called Zwift. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, it is a, um, essentially a workout app would be the best way to describe it. It started out with just biking. Um, 
now they have running as well. Um, so essentially I have my road bike that I ride outside and I hook it up to a smart trainer. So I take the back wheel off, but they do have wheel on trainers as well, but I take my back wheel off and it hooks up to a trainer. And then that trainer, um, basically connects through Bluetooth to the app on my iPad. You can use a computer, a phone, and then you ride in this this virtual world. I'm not going to try to explain it any further. Just <laughs> look at a quick YouTube clip to see. But the way the reason I love it is because um, you can connect with friends on there. You can race. Like for instance, Sam and I just rode for an hour tonight together in um, virtual London. So uh, Very cool. <laughs> and we raced raced together last night. So yeah, I won't say much more, but uh, give it a look. It's pretty awesome. That's very cool. Can you run with people virtually? Yeah, that, yeah, you can. You can. You need a a treadmill that has the capabilities of connecting to Zwift, which I don't know all the specifics on. That. I think it's just it needs to be Bluetooth compatible. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. What yeah. do you got, Bry? Uh, just all the, all the, uh, healthcare peeps out there on the front line, including Josef and, uh, my wife, who's still covering labor and delivery, um, despite being pregnant herself and being exposed to God knows what, when they, she goes into work every day along with everyone else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, modern day heroes. Yeah, no kidding. Have they discussed, like... With her doing leave earlier or like letting her stop working sooner for risk of the baby or what? Yeah, what, what do you think? It's a residency. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's no, I, I mean, they just, they, they just don't have, they're already spread thin as most residency programs are. They just don't have the capabilities to do that. Like, sure. Her getting six weeks for maternity leave is, is like, basically is all that there is to offer so sure i mean if people get like the policy is if here i believe and this may not be completely accurate but i believe it's if you get yeah if you get covid you are you have to quarantine for two weeks um and so you and then after that well i guess it's not the same for residents because residents are salaried but for people who aren't necessarily salaried you get like two weeks of paid leave and then after that like you're just kind of shit out of luck so yeah interesting none of the residents here that i'm aware of have contracted it so we'll see see what happens that's good well we're gonna dive in just so we don't make this too long um i'm gonna as joe sort of alluded to this is sort of my version um, or my story with mental health throughout my life and, and particularly in my medical career. Uh, I'm first just, first just going to sort of outline sort of how things have gone for me over the years and then get into a little bit of um, sort of how to treat mental health and some data behind it and then sort of a few reasons why I am um, mentally well now. Um, of course, it's all in relative sense because there's no perfect nirvana when it comes to mental health, but why I'm a lot better than I was years ago. So um, sort of starting even back into, into middle school, um, 
I said medical school. <laughs> <laughs> he started young. <laughs> um, starting in middle school, you know, even back then, I was like a very type A kid. Um, I had I had friends, but I wasn't at all like super popular or super cool. Um, and I was definitely made fun of a bit back then, and that definitely gave me some social anxiety um, and worry back then about what other people thought of me and I think that was sort of like the basis of um, social anxiety going into my adult life Um, for example I remember you know there's things vividly where you remember just like exactly um, certain scenarios that just really make you anxious even to this day I remember for example in I think it was seventh or eighth grade I think Joe had had recently like popped his shirt collar and I was like, oh, that must be the cool thing to do. So I tried to do it and went to school with a popped shirt collar one, one day and just got made fun of all day. And so that, just like minor things like that, that just like definitely contributed to social anxiety moving forward. Um, and I think that was maybe the basis of sort of, it kind of like bred this sort of like, perseverance um, and and rumination on scenarios that went like that one you know what I mean like um, like I said like I vividly remember where I was and, and what I was doing and what I could have done differently or said differently or how it could have gone differently um, and I would sort of just sit um, I would be going to bed at night and sort of just ruminating over these situations um, and it definitely affected my sleep, but also I was just overall anxious. Um, and I feel like on a day-to-day basis, the way that played out is I was just, you know, kind of quieter. Um, I didn't want to say anything stupid or do anything stupid. Um, as I said, I couldn't really fall asleep at night all that well because I was just replaying situations and that I couldn't because of that I couldn't sleep over at friends' houses um, really up until later high school just because I would you know be already anxious being away from home and then I would my head would hit the pillow and I would just start ruminating essentially and and, and be anxious um, and all of this is sort of on top of um, you know this is what I would call sort of social as well as situational anxiety. Um, but I think it's sort of on a bed of generalized anxiety that I think Joe and I have um, inherited from my mom um, or my mom's side of the family and just that we are genetically more um, likely to be anxious folks. And so I was kind of, um, even in my younger years, experiencing both generalized and situational anxiety and um the biggest thing at the time was I think that I felt that I was the only one going through this, that I would look around at my friends and be like, wow, they are so carefree right now. They're just living their lives as seventh and eighth graders, just normal. And I'm just sitting over here, not able to fall asleep at a friend's house like normal human beings because I'm too anxious. Um, and that sort of continued on same type of thing into, into high school. Um, got a little better, but I was definitely still still socially anxious, situationally and generally. Going into college, um, sort of more of the same. Um, I remember a specific example 
I think it was after my first year of college or something, I was in a clinic um, to, as a patient, and there was a like a younger guy that was a receptionist at the clinic, and I was like, so are you? I was just like talking to him while he was like, doing my billing info or something and I was like oh so you are are you like a nurse or what and he's like um yeah I'm a nursing student and I was like oh so are you like just doing this receptionist job to like make your uh what did he say he's like no I'm a student and so I was like oh are you just doing this reception job to like make your make your resume look good for medical school or like he's like no th this is what i want to do like this is what i'm training to become and i was like oh shit <laughs> like <laughs> nice it's like it was like oh are you, you trying to make yourself look better and he's like no this is me <laughs> <laughs> and i just remember like for like a week and a half after that i was just like every day i would i would think about wow you really really screwed that one up man like think about think about how he was feeling in that moment and like what you could have done differently or said differently just not said anything for that matter um, so that's just an example sort of, of of how this continued to play out into college um and shortly after that i think i remember um being home on fall break or something and and being really anxious and I remember breaking down in front of my mom just sort of like describing to her what I was feeling and up until that point I didn't know that this was like anxiety that this was called anxiety or like I said that this was something that other people experienced I didn't have a name for it or a sense of how common it was yeah that's so true I don't feel like I had ever even heard about anxiety being a thing in right. high school or even really in college yeah it's really odd yeah well it gets poo-pooed probably that's why it's like oh yeah, right it gets normalized or teased or it's not embraced right right all you knew is like there were like some kids that cut their wrists in high school and <laughs> you didn't even like associate that with anxiety or depression you were just like oh why are they doing that <laughs> you know what I mean um so basically I broke down in front of my mom and, and I think in her head she was like oh well he has anxiety just like me and so basically she kind of like greased the skids for me to get a counselor at Gustavus where I went to school uh where we all three went to school um and she sort of like she called for me and was like he researched the different counselors and decided which one would be a best fit for me and saw when I could get in quickest and like basically just eliminated all barriers um, to me seeing a counselor, which at the time I didn't realize how um, huge that was for, for getting me in um, because I think without that, I, I probably wouldn't have pursued it on my own. Just So just like some, commentary too is like this while this like turmoil is going on in your head like just knowing you and being your friend like i had literally no idea any of this was going on which is right. what makes it i don't know it's 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 the end of your world but to everyone else you could be functioning appropriate or totally normal and mm -hmm. they really have no mm -hmm. idea and then like to Absolutely. the end to the end 
of like going to see a counselor. I remember that was like it was when I went and saw the counselor at uh, Gustavus for my anxiety. Like it just seemed like the end of the world. Like I don't know, it just seemed like I was admitting defeat or weakness. Yeah, and it just right. it seemed like such a big deal, and I felt alone. I felt like oh, I'm. I'm the only one here who sees these people. I'm the only reason this office is open. But um, right, right. like I, I didn't. <laughs> Our I, first customer of the I, year. <laughs> I had no, I had no idea until now that you went and saw a counselor. So right, it's just yeah. things that you just don't appreciate or know because people don't talk about. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and to your point about admitting defeat, I remember my first appointment. I was like so nervous. Um, and the counselor, like we got like 10 or 15 minutes in and she was like, you, you look like very nervous to be here right now. Can I ask what's going on? And I just like broke down. I was just like, yeah, like essentially I felt like I was admitting defeat and I was finally having to admit that this has been ruling my life. And I don't know, it's sort of an indescribable, um, feeling, but yeah, I remember that, that part vividly so anyway um my counselor jen uh, did you have jen brian uh i don't remember to be honest um um i only remember because she like absolutely changed my life Like, like there if there was one person that i had to credit for where i am today mental health wise it would by far be jen um, she basically, we just kind of, in our sessions, we put a name to the emotions I was feeling and that was anxiety. And that was, like I said, something that I had never really named before. And so that was a big step in itself, like giving this beast a name. Mm-hmm. Um, also talking to her about sort of how normal and common and widespread this is, like you said, Brian, like she they have jobs for a reason because Mm -hmm. college students are anxious and depressed and have other issues and they uh there's a reason these counselors book out two or three weeks in advance right people are there for a reason um and so you know it focused on again putting a name to it calling it anxiety um making me like know that I wasn't alone in this. And and then the other big piece was daily meditation. Um, and after about probably six months of, of working with Jen, um, I felt like a completely transformed person. Um, it was like night and day, uh, you know, the things that the small things that made me anxious six months prior were, I mean, not non-existent, but they were, I had the tools to deal with them and I felt confident knowing that I wasn't alone. Um, and that if I could see such a big change already that, you know, who's to say that I couldn't get to completely anxiety free or, or whatever, you know, like a completely nirvana state is, is how I felt at that time. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. look at all this improvement I've already had. Let's just keep the uptrend. Um, after those six months or so, I, I found myself sleeping much better. I, I wasn't uh, ruminating as much before bed or perseverating. And, you know, I, 
I felt my confidence going up in my day-to-day. I was raising my hand more in class. I was less socially anxious moving forward. Um, and I, I sort of stabilized after that, after seeing her for maybe nine months or so. Um, and we sort of phased out our time together. And I stopped seeing Jen because I felt like I was well and, like I said, had the tools to handle stuff on my own. Um, And I was pretty stable going into sophomore, junior, senior year of college. Um, I can't remember exactly when I started a medication. I think it was maybe junior year senior year i think i was just sort of still anxious a little bit and still feeling like i needed a little bit of an extra push for medication beyond what i had in my own toolbox and so i started this medication called boost bar which joe mentioned in his podcast and boost bar is basically so essentially the science of depression and anxiety to reduce it down to something very bite-sized is that it stems from low serotonin levels in our bloodstream, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine levels, um, both anxiety and depression do. And so the medications that treat these disorders basically focus on increasing these chemicals in our bloodstream. And so um, Boost Bar is sort of, uh, there's not great data to support it, but it has a very, you know, there's not any side effects essentially, and so there's very low risk of taking it. So I, I went on Boost Bar, and um, I didn't really feel like it helped all that much, but I felt like it wasn't hurting, so I just gave it some time and was on it even into medical school. So sort of moving forward into med school, um, that was 2016. So right know within the first month I realized that my anxiety was coming back and it was coming back fast Um, I remember in the first week and a half probably at the yeah the midpoint of my second week of school I had an anxiety attack in class Um, and I remember sitting there for 30 minutes during um, histolab and just reading the same sentence Mm probably you know 50 times and not comprehending a single word of it and just in this loop of like okay i'm really anxious i have a shitload of work to do i don't understand the material okay i'm more anxious i have a shitload of work to do and so i just got up and left i was just like i'm not getting anything out of this and i'm about to have a breakdown in front of all my classmates so i just left and went home and had a breakdown at home that was my first anxiety attack and then maybe a month or so later i had another one just because i had too much responsibilities i had too much work on my hands and not enough time to do it um and i just felt like you know things were racking up and and i didn't have the bandwidth or the time to complete them in time so that is all to say that my anxiety was coming to a head again starting medical school which you were still taking boost bar at that time i still was taking boost bar um and but i was fortunate because around that time joe you were experimenting with medications and i think you had tried boost bar briefly 
and then you went to Lexapro, which is a different class of medications. And so I was fortunate that Joe was sort of my guinea pig, for lack of a better term. Um, and being that we're brothers, I could predict that uh, the medications that he tried would act very similar to me. And so he was having some success with Lexapro. Um, and Lexapro is in a family of medications called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. It's just another form of meds that increase serotonin in your bloodstream. They have a little more side effects, generally speaking, than other anxiety and depression medications. And so some people are hesitant to start them. Um, and Joe and I were always told by our mother growing up, I think she had, you know, experimented with various ones and had a lot of side effects from them. And so she always thought that they were sort of the devil and that we should avoid them at all costs. And that's, I think, how Joe and I felt about them for the longest time. And, and maybe Joe learning about them in med school was like, oh, maybe they're you know not so bad. So maybe I'll give it a try. I'm not sure. But right. I think that was, yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. So, um, we were, you know, we just decided to give it a try despite the fears of, of bad side effects, you know, people worry about weight gain and mood swings and, there's an increased risk of suicide in the first few weeks when you start taking them and yeah. sex drive and yeah. stuff like that. And so, um, we were worried, but we decided it was, you know, we needed help and, and that was the best option. And that is the best option, which we'll talk about, uh, in shortly. So Joe was trying Lexapro and so I decided to give it a try. And it's one of those medications where we always tell folks, Joe and I being in the family medicine field, um, we always tell folks to not make any judgments on how you're feeling until, you know, the six to eight week mark. You might start to see some changes around three to four weeks, five to six weeks, et cetera, but really don't make a decision on whether you want to continue or stop until at least eight weeks. And some people would even say three months, six months, et cetera. Yeah. It varies by provider, but basically the point is that it's not overnight that you see changes with these medications. Um, but nonetheless, so I started taking it, um, and I, you know, I was on it for about three months, and kind of looking back, I, I started to see some broad, gradual changes. Like I said, it wasn't like I flipped a switch, but I hadn't had an anxiety attack since I had started taking it. Um, I wasn't in constant dread about my workload um, and not having enough time to get it done. You know, I was feeling more confident in class and raising my hand and, and volunteering to read in small groups and such. And so I felt like I was headed in the right direction. Um, my only side effect really from taking Lexapro was that I was a little more tired than usual, which Joe and I have continued to notice even years. So we both still take it, but have noticed that it continues. But I think it's been somewhat beneficial, um, as in the side effect has been somewhat beneficial in itself because it's, it's made me prioritize sleep a little more, I think, which yeah. is good for mental health, obviously. Um, yeah. You mind if I throw in a comment there please, too? Please. It, um, I would say, yeah, when you're looking at the timeline of things, for me, one of the, the instantaneous almost, like within my first day or two of taking it was I was like, oh, I'm actually tired and able to go to sleep, which I think for people who sit up 
sit awake at night ruminating on their thoughts from the day that can be kind of helpful and that was for me at that point in time that was like the most welcomed quote-unquote side effect I think yeah um but like Sam's saying we we both I don't know if struggle is the right word but both think about daytime tiredness now just being on the medication but I would say that the benefits or the reward definitely for both of us outweighs the the risk right yeah i would agree and 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 you will like if if someone's listening to this right now and they're like oh this is the thing i needed to to like push me to actually take a medication like your first week or two you'll feel like shit that's i mean like everyone reacts differently some people might feel fine but like i had bad headaches i had like kind of gi upset and that those kind of side effects go away yeah yeah, I think I only had yeah some GI upset for about a week, but that went away. Or if you're not uh, diligent about taking it, that withdrawal can be a real bitch too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes right. if I don't, yeah. if I'm bad about filling it, like I like a week after not taking it, I I just I feel so freaking anxious and oh, yeah. probably oh, miserable to be around. And Nora's first question is always, "Did you are you taking your medicine?" <laughs> <laughs> And I hate when yes, I have definitely. to say no. Nothing worse than no, I'm not. <laughs> it's definitely one of those meds that you have to keep a, a sort of a constant level in your bloodstream or else you mm-hmm. withdraw from. Um, I think, uh, you know, looking back, um, as beneficial as I think medication was for me and continues to be, my mistake back then was not coupling medication with seeing a therapist. I think I just felt like I didn't have enough time back then, um, one, to make an appointment and find a counselor, find someone that covers my insurance, um, find a spot that's close to my apartment, and then also set aside, uh, and as stupid as it sounds, you know, set aside an hour a week or an hour every two weeks um, to talk to someone um, when I'm just so incredibly busy and every minute is um, valuable during medical school. And so I, looking back, I really wish that I would have gotten a therapist back then um, to couple with my, with my medication. So just an aside um, on this topic, um, this is relevant as family med providers. We do a lot of counseling for our patients. Um, in terms of anxiety and depression and how to move forward in terms of treatment. So um, the studies show that for anxiety, there is unfortunately not a study that I'm aware of that um, compares combination treatments being uh, therapy plus medication. There's not a study that compares combination treatment to psychotherapy alone or medication alone. but there are several studies showing or comparing basically psychotherapy versus medication. Um, and the studies show that therapy seems to be a little bit better, um, but not super significantly better than medication. Um, they're roughly the same, but the one caveat is that psychotherapy alone is more enduring. It lasts longer um, in terms of keeping people anxiety free for longer than does medication alone. On the depression side of things, um, 
there are meta-analyses. Meta-analysis is just a paper that summarizes a ton of other papers, essentially. And so there's one big meta-analysis that has taken 25 studies looking at combination therapy for treating depression being, again, psychotherapy plus medication, comparing it to medication alone and to psychotherapy alone. Um, and basically the data shows that combination therapy is a little bit better than either of the two alone. Um, and there are also just so many studies to show that anything, whether it's medication or psychotherapy or both, is eons and iotas, if that's a word, iota, plural, um, of of data to show that uh, anything is better than nothing, obviously. The remission rate of anxiety and depression is obviously far better with any any intervention rather than nothing. That's, that's really um, interesting because, like, well, I'm not going to get my family med rotation now, um, but I imagine, I mean, what, what gets, what, hap what is the counseling that happens in the clinic? Is that the counseling that happens in the clinic? It's like, we'll no, give you this med um, and... It, it, it would be that you make appointments with a separate therapist. Mm -hmm. But and is so it is it encouraged yeah. though? Is it like I strongly like I, they give them the meds, obviously, but do they like strongly encourage them to go see a therapist too? So a lot of clinics have therapists in house and behavioral scientists in house that you can um, send patients to. I, I think Joe's clinic at St. John's at Phelan has a behavioral scientist in the clinic. I don't, does she see psych patients on her own, right, Joe? Yeah, so she's a psychologist. Um, and, yep, she sees her own patient. She's in the clinic to help precept patients that we have. Um, we have a psychiatrist who's um, on staff with us who comes in for, for sure, one day a week. It might be one and a half or two. Um, and he'll see some patients as well. And then we have a... Um, they help with referrals, and we have um, case managers who help um, get people referred to the right places. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, sometimes unfortunately, or, or fortunately, we end up, um, for some folks, being their, their therapist because mm -hmm. they don't have, um, I think time is probably the the biggest thing or things fall through or there's insurance problems. And, um, sometimes I feel like I'm under trained to be someone's therapist, but mm -hmm. then I remember that they continue to see me on a weekly to twice week or a every other week basis. So I must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically Brian, to answer your question, a lot of clinics have folks in-house that they can refer patients to, but if not, they usually have a psych clinic mm -hmm. or a certain therapist that they refer to often. Okay. And so, yeah, basically the gist of all of that is to say that if you have the means to do both medication and therapy, it's by far, or sorry, not by far, but it's better than doing either alone. And if you only have the means to do one of them, psychotherapy is probably a little bit better than medication alone. Interesting. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I think, too, even um, 
I think that we would probably all agree that even just admitting, if you want to call it a problem, sure, call it a problem, but admitting that there is a quote-unquote problem and vocalizing that can be a, a big relief mm-hmm. and kind of release as well because that that first time you admit it, that gets that, that has then normalized it um, and can allow you to just bring it up more easily, um, talk about it with someone that's close to you. And I think the more that you open up about it and talk about it, and if you are worried about, you know, seeing a formal therapist, psychologist, um, I think that'll just get you to that, that next step. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the end. That's the end of my aside on treating mental health. So sort of back to the timeline. So um, started medication during my first year of med school um, and started to notice some really good changes um, and probably coupled with the fact that I was sort of learning the ropes of med school and how things work. And by the start of second year, I was back to stable um, anxiety-wise, just like I was after seeing a counselor in college. Um, you know, I, I felt like I was crushing school I was seeing my friends a ton, and I felt like I was really enjoying life throughout second year. Um, and then came third year, which is, uh, so your first years of med school are book work, and then your second two are rotations off in clinics and hospitals. And so um, towards the start of my third year of ro- uh, third year of med school, where I was starting rotations, I had my internal medicine rotation. Um, which I discussed in our hierarchy episode where I just had this very overbearing resident that did him and I did not get along at all. And um, that caused me a lot of anxiety and um, to the point where, you know, I was feeling physical symptoms of my anxiety. Like I often get the biggest tell for me is usually a tight chest um, as well as just, you know, just the sense in my mind, obviously that I'm anxious um, but usually accompanied physical wise by a tight chest. But back then I was even having like GI distress just cause I was so anxious all the mm-hmm. time, just cause I was like worried about any interaction with this resident. Um, and so that during that time where I was super anxious, I was like looking back at the patterns of my mental health, you know, throughout high school and then into college and how I'd seen a counselor and then I was well and stopped seeing a counselor. And then there were some times um, after that where I was, you know, very anxious and wanted to get a counselor, but I was too anxious to set, set up something. And then I would, you know, maybe remit or, you know, go back to normal and, and in those times where I was normal, I didn't feel like I needed a counselor. And so, you know, it was a cycle where like, no matter if I was well or unwell, I still didn't have a counselor because it was never going to happen. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I need to finally make this step right now and just have a counselor at all times, because that is eliminating the barrier to in those times where I'm super anxious and stressed and don't have the motivation to set up something. And like I said, find a provider near me, one that covers my insurance, etc. I don't want those barriers to exist when I'm super anxious. And so I found the motivation at that time to get a counselor. Um, 
I, they literally, their office is in my backyard of my house. Like it's less than a block away. Um, I made it as easy for myself as possible. Um, and I still have that counselor to this day. And even though I'm, I'm well anxiety wise now, I still see them regularly just to eliminate that barrier, as I said, for those times when I'm super anxious. Um, and with that counselor, I kind of worked through that troubling time and also around that time came to realize that there was something in medical school that I was realizing was working its way into my life in a negative way. And that is this concept that we were taught called Lean Six Sigma. Um, it was kind of like a, in addition to medical learning, you know, we have like some sort of life education. And this concept of Lean Six Sigma is basically this idea that you should eliminate waste from every aspect of your life and like be super uber efficient. Um, and essentially it was born out of like a, like Toyota assembly lines, like eliminating waste out of every part of the process so that you can be super efficient and make the most cars and make the most money. And people are like taking this and bringing it into different uh, aspects of life, including medicine, unfortunately. And so we had lectures on this in first year and I, came to third year and was like, I looked at my daily life and I was like, I'm combining, I'm trying to multitask at the expense of my anxiety. Like, you know, I would combine stupid tasks, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, brushing my teeth with trying to get my pajamas on or like, uh, you know, like just stupid shit like that, where you're like, am, am I, am I actually saving time here or am I like actually wasting time? Cause I'm trying to do too many things at once. Right. And so I, I came to this realization that like, this was starting to rule my everyday life. Um, not to the, to the extent of like my anxiety, but just like, it was definitely contributing to the sense of like, I was being on, you know, like the switch was, I was on, I, I always yeah. had to be like noticing where I could eliminate waste in my life. And, um, and combine things and multitask, and it was just, it's not conducive to good mental health, and it is, in fact, conducive to anxiety, I would say. Um, I realized that I had, I mean, going into medical school, you have to be an efficient person, and so I was already efficient enough, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to get more efficient, and so I spent the last couple of years trying to essentially just get away from this whole notion of trying to be more efficient and trying to multitask to infinity. Um, and so in that realization and in working with a counselor at that time, again, got back to sort of stable and that's where I lie today. Um, and I feel like sort of now being at my most enlightened when it comes to mental health, I've had the chance to look back at what's worked for me and what hasn't. And I feel like there are a few things. I wrote down four of them. I thought brainstorm four of them that um, have made me and continue to make me mentally well. Um, as I said, 
prophylactic therapy. So just having a counselor all the time. Essentially, I just see my counselor once a month or once every two months. If things are going well, we just shoot the shit for an hour. Like, you know, we just talk about politics or whatever. Like, we just check in and see how I'm doing. Oh, I'm doing well. Okay. And you lose an hour, so be it. Who cares? Um, but like I said, that's there for when there are times where I'm super anxious and don't have the bandwidth to schedule a counseling appointment while it's already there. So that eliminates the barrier. That's the biggest thing, I think. Um, the second thing that's helped a ton is, is medication. Um, being stable on Lexapro and um, having been so for the past couple of years and knowing or sort of being armed with this extra tool, you know, like where it's this extra tool to remind us that we're not in this alone, that we have an extra little um, uh, helper always in our back pocket. Um, I think another thing that has made me as well as I am now is just being so open about my mental health, especially with this podcast. Joe and I have talked about this where it's been just kind of freeing to um, talk about our mental health in such an open context um, and to sort of not deal with it again on our own. Um, and in the process of trying to normalize it for other people, I think we've sort of normalized it for ourselves. Um, and then the last thing I put is just, again, getting away from this concept of mean Six Sigma, like I mentioned, it's trying to be less on all the time and just live, you know, live in the moment. It's great, great advice. Yeah, that's what I got. But, um, yeah. yeah. It's good to, it's good to hear the, um, almost like, prophylactic um, counselor piece that you talked about. I think it's because when you're at your most vulnerable state, that is when you least want to do something as exactly as you said, like set up an appointment. And so I think that's cool to hear. And I think that's a great strategy that I hope some folks take is that if you just keep something on the calendar, there will certainly be times where you have stuff to talk about that you really need to talk to someone about. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's really important. I think that's awesome. And I think especially with this change now, this like abrupt change with COVID of a lot of people figuring out telehealth, I think it'll make, um, being able to talk with a counselor a little bit, easier if you're someone who's like man I can't get to a building for a half an hour um, and that is my biggest barrier mm -hmm. um, I think that'll be really helpful for for folks where that's been their barrier yeah that's a good point mm -hmm. nice nice yeah well thank you for walking us through your journey Sam I uh I really didn't know the depth of it so learned a lot today um, yeah, yeah our listeners definitely will have too so great yeah thanks for for joining us listeners i know it's been a long time since we recorded <laughs> something um we you know we're quite busy but now i don't have anything going on brian has a lot less going on joe unfortunately is still just as busy as he ever was but 
Uh, I want to make time for this, though. It's important. Yeah, it definitely is. It, it, I think the biggest um, push to get back to doing this in the last couple of weeks was I had a friend tell me that um, the reason that he addressed his mental health a year ago or so was because Joe and I were so open about our mental health and talked about ours on the podcast and he listened to the podcast and that just sort of, you know, really hit home because that's the reason we started this in the first place is to normalize mental health and make people feel like, you know, they're not alone when they're going through tough times and um, giving them a sense of camaraderie and a sense of like, you know, people in med school are put on this, this um, pedestal of like, wow, they must really have their shit figured out, but we don't always, you know, like we're not perfect people. No one is. Um, and so it's good to see that, like, you know, we're trying to make it that even people that seem like they have their shit together and they're doing this, you know, crazy field of work, like they still are anxious and depressed just as everyone else is in the world. So, um, yeah, that was really a, a good reminder of, of why we, we do what, we do here on the show so that's cool i didn't know that it's inspiring motivating yeah well so we'll uh we'll guarantee him another episode next week then how about that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what we'll have for you but yeah let's let's record some i got i got some ideas so all right good deal all right anything well, else for guys? signing on with us folks we'll uh we'll hopefully see you in about a week Oh, didn't we have catchphrases that we that we would sign off with? Oh right? man, Joe, yours was "keep on grinding." Keep right? grinding, yeah. Joe, you've had like a year now to brainstorm. So I know I even thought about that today too. That I the fact that I didn't think of anything. I had one too the last time we recorded, but it was like six months ago. So I've forgotten it. Well, I'll come up with one before next week. I promise. All right, that's your homework. All right. All right. Good. Thanks, guys. Catch you next time. All right. See we'll you see ya. <laughs>